As Davis mentioned earlier, we are starting a new sermon series this week on discipleship. And we are hopefully, we're planning tomorrow, we're going to be offering you some discipleship opportunities to go alongside this. Cheyenne and I will be filming a lesson for each week that includes both some information about a Celtic saint and about a Celtic Christian practice. Things like solitude and finding three essential things and blessing each moment that will be released each week after the sermon. Um, there. So be looking for that early in this next week as our first one comes out. Our scripture this morning is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28. I invite you to hear the voice of God speaking to us through these words of scripture. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is what we call the greatest commandment. We know that during the time of particularly the first century into which Jesus was born, that the Jewish rabbis spent a lot of time trying to decide what is the greatest commandment? What is the most important one for us to keep? There were 613 laws that were part of the Jewish law code. Now, I don't know about you, but there is no way I'm going to be able to keep 613 rules. I have a hard time keeping three or four. It would also be hard to remember, hard to, to learn them all. And so they began learning them at a very young age. And part of it would be easier because you've grown into it and you just do it. But how to apply every rule in every situation would have been difficult. So the rabbis talked about how do we distill it down? And if you can't keep them all, which are the most important ones to keep? This becomes Jesus' summary and the one we're going to talk about next week is the second one, the one that's likened to it, the new command that he gives us, that we love our neighbor as ourselves. But Jesus says, this is the greatest commandment. He wasn't the first to say that, but he is the first to affirm it and to apply it in quite the way that he did. This particular statement of the great commandment is captured in three of the four gospels. It's captured in Matthew chapter 22 in Mark chapter 12, and here in Luke chapter 10. We call those the synoptic gospels. They're very similar. They're almost synonyms with each other. And then John is very different. Now, we know that Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, something that is called the Shema, the great confession of God of the Jewish people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. It's a confession that they made regularly. And if you've ever seen the little mezuzah boxes by their doors, that is written on a scroll and placed in it. And they put it next to their door and they tilt it in. And as they go by, they'll touch it. It's a constant reminder as they come and go that the Lord their God is most important in their life and that all they have should be to love God. 
So Jesus is reaching back to the foundations of their faith to say, this is who we are. And in Deuteronomy where it says heart and soul and might, we get that great number three that comes to us. When we think of the number three, we think of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We also think of us as persons. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. I've often heard it said that we are a spirit. That is the part of us created in the image of God. We then have a soul, our emotions, our feelings, our passions, our talents. And then both the the spirit and soul reside in a body. But there's more to it than that. Those particular Hebrew words from the Old Testament had meanings. The heart, the soul, and the might. I'm going to talk just a little bit about those. Those of you who have been in my read together, particularly the the chats or have listened to those podcasts, know that every now and then I like to wade into the weeds to get into the details. It makes me happy. And some of you just get drug along on that journey for a little bit. Um, So just stay with me. I promise I'm getting to, to the point. The word heart in Hebrew was levav. And when we think of our heart, we think of this muscle in our chest, this thing we can't live without. And we associate it with our feelings. We, our heart beats for somebody. Our heart is broken when we lose them. That wasn't at all the way the Hebrew people thought of the heart. The heart was the center of being. It was the inmost interior organ. And it represented their mind and their will. You willed things, you felt things, you decided things with your heart. So it's really more synonymous for us with our mind. Then the soul is that word nephesh, a living being. This is the word that in Genesis, God breathes the breath of life in and Adam becomes a living being. It's what makes us live. It's what makes us unique. Our passions, our appetites, our emotions, our desires, our uniqueness is in our soul or ourself. And then that third word was mead, which means might. And it really means power, your strength, your force, your abundance, and your strength. In every other time it is used, it means very. It's an idiom for doing something greatly. So in that Old Testament confession, to love the Lord our God with our heart and our soul and our mind is to say love God with your mind, with your will, with your decision making. To love God with everything that makes you unique, your emotions, your passions. And to love God with your power or your strength. In other words, to use your influence, to use who you were and who you could influence to also love God and to see the kingdom of God come in the world around us. It's interesting to me that when we get over to the New Testament, we quote it a little differently. In Luke and Mark, we use four words in there, heart, soul, strength, and mind, Or in Mark, heart, soul, mind, and strength. He just reverses one. Now, one of the reasons for that is probably because Mark was the first of the Gospels written. And about 50% of the Gospel of Mark is in the Gospel of Matthew. And about 90% of the Gospel of Mark is in Luke. So Mark was a source for Matthew and for 
Luke as they wrote their Gospels and added more to it. So it makes perfect sense that Luke quotes Mark almost identically. Matthew, however, stays with three and says heart, soul, and mind. He has captured the fact that the usage of words have changed over time. It happens. Um, My parents were born much earlier. Daddy was born in 1917, and Mother was born in 1926. And I learned as a teenager when I had my first boyfriend that there was a particular word that had changed a little bit of usage. Mama and Daddy, when they used to to be kissing on one another, um, we call that making out. My mother called that making love. And I heard her tell one of her best friends, Mickey, well, I caught Tammy and that little boy, they're just making love. And I went, Mama, Mama, you cannot say that. It means something very different. We were just kissing. So words do change. They do. And so the word had changed. But the Hebrew Bible had already been translated into Greek by this time. And they had looked at how did they translate those words. And so when it came into the Greek, they used the word cardia, heart. We get the word cardiac. Psyche for soul and dunamis for power. But I didn't know until researching this that there were two translations of the Septuagint, two versions of that. And in the other one, they used the word dianoia for mind, psyche, and dunamis. So they changed the word for heart in there to reflect the fact that it had bent with your mind. So Matthew is trying to quote the new interpretation of the Old Testament, and he doesn't get it just exactly right but he gives it a good try. When I hear all of this, what it reminds me is that we are to love the Lord our God with everything we have. With the way we think, we love God by thinking about the world the way God does. That God created it good. That God wanted it to be just and kind and loving. To be a reflection of his love for us, to love the Lord our God with our soul, with everything he gives us the ability to do, with music, with art, with teaching in our professions, with our words, with our passions. You can love and glorify God with your hobbies, by doing them well, by being kind to others. We can love the Lord our God with our power, or with our might. By the way we influence those around us, by the way we stand up for the most vulnerable, for the widows, for the orphans, by the way we advocate for the poor, by the way we share with one another out of our abundance and our blessing. The greatest commandment in the world across all of time and history, is to love God with everything that we are. And as we discover how to do that, as we grow as disciples, we find more and more and more ways to do that. This commandment reminds us that For us as Christians, as followers of Christ, it is not about a single decision that gets us in. We get to slide into heaven by our tailcoats because we bought our life insurance fire policy for the afterlife. No, the great commandment reminds us 
everything I have, I have. Because Almighty God created this world and me and everything in it. And I respond to that great love by loving back with everything that I have. In every moment of every day and in every way. May the Lord our God show us how to do that. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you have called us to follow your son, Jesus Christ, to embark on a journey of discipleship, of becoming more like him, to become more of the people you have created us to be. Show us how to love you more fully with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and with all of our might. So we ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.